Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. When, in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I, all alone, beweep my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope. Featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy, contented least. Yet in these thoughts, myself almost despising, haply I think on thee. And then my state, like to the lark at break of day, arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered, such wealth brings that then I scorn to change my state with kings. Welcome to Cop on episode 35, you smooth peanut buttercup. That was the bard William Shakespeare, sonnet 29, one of his best. You can follow us on Twitter, at CopOnPodcast. You can send us some spare Madrid final tickets, if you like, to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. Or should you wish to sponsor us for just one, one US dollar per month, it would be hugely appreciated. Just head to patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast. My name's Owen, and I do hope you're okay. It's true. I've been worrying about my LFC-loving brothers and sisters across the world. I hope that you and indeed nobody, I hope nobody is too despondent about yesterday. I mean, I'm not exactly despondent myself, but despondent would be inappropriate. And I hope the following conversation will convince you of that. I was delighted to be joined for it by Shane in LA and Linus in Sweden. Thank you so, so very much for listening and enjoy. So, thank you very much to Shane. Thank you to Linus. This is Carp on Podcast. I'm so happy to be talking to you two guys about, you know, about the season, about the Premier League season, about feelings. Because um, for me, oof, it's been so emotional, so emotional this season that I can't really, I don't really know how to deal with this. 97 points and still Liverpool cannot take home the league title. But there's so much to be positive about. And Mo Salah said it's bittersweet to come second after such an amazing season. That's a pretty good word for it. And for me, there are different ways of looking at it. You can look at look at it in the context of 29 years, uh, you know, without a title. And and for me personally, I've I've you know I've been following Liverpool very closely over that time, 
And it would, would have been so lovely to put that to bed and get one in the bag, number 19. Um, but it didn't happen. So obviously that's devastating. But the other way of looking at it, which is also true, is that this team seems like it's going to stay together. This team, Klopp himself said before uh, before this season, after a successful season, the best players got picked out and sold. It will not happen now. This team is in a, in a wonderful age group. We will go again. We will improve and develop. And that's the positivity that I love. And that's what I'm clinging to after this wonderful, wonderful record-breaking season. Um, Shane, I'm going to start with you. How are you feeling today? It's it's the day after the Wolves match. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Owen, for having me on the show. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel good. Um, I think the blow has been lessened uh, by the prospect of June 1st with the Champions League final. I, I do have a lump in my throat. I'm not going to lie about that. There's some sting in there as well. <laughs> yes, OK. But, I mean, if we can put all of our efforts in and, and manage to take home number six, Shane, I mean, how much of a sweetener will that be? I mean, you know, I mean, that'll be that'll be pretty freaking amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. It would completely, uh, completely wipe away any of the uh, feelings that we as a collective fan base feel right now, any of the negativity... With that, this whole season uh, could retrospectively be looked back uh, it, with the proper historical, historical context. Um, I mean, we saw yesterday at Anfield, the, we, we want to celebrate these boys. We want to celebrate this team as champions, and we believe these champions deserve a piece of silverware, and they absolutely do. And so uh, we, just want, we just want history and everyone else to, to view them as positively as we do right now in those moments when we celebrate them. Yeah, very good answer. Very good answer. Linus, how are you? You've been, you know, with us on Cop On for the for the whole season. Uh, you know, I'm so appreciative of that. And uh, you know, you've been you've been such a positive guy, you know, all season. Um your your Twitter handle at least used to be LFC Champ eighteen underscore nineteen. Uh, now it's at L Loveguard, I believe. But um, you know, how are you? I mean, you know, are you are you devastated? Are you looking on the bright side? Yeah, I think I've I, since the, after the Arsenal game, I think I've been with you guys, and it's been very fun. Uh, I appreciate it. So I'm I'm feeling a bit of both. I'm really proud of the uh, of the team. I think it's it's been so fun watching them, and even though at some point it's been quite annoying especially in January it seems to be our worst month uh, every year a bit and but then there's also been so many memorable moments like Origi versus Everton and uh, Barcelona and obviously I'm devastated we we had such a firm grip on the title and we didn't win it in the end but I just can't help but feel that we will we'll win it next year and if not then we'll win it the year after because I just can't see this team not staying together because like Klopp said for the first time in so many years we have a team that won't get picked apart because we have we are the destination instead of the stepping stone to bigger teams and I, I just can't help but see 
hope for the future. And obviously that future could be now in about three weeks if we win the Champions League. And how are you feeling about the Champions League, Lena? So are you, are you confident we can bring it home? Well, I don't want to sound overconfident, but yeah, I, I like we've we've seen Tottenham play like two different Tottenham uh, Tottenham teams play this season. We've seen the teams that struggle against Bournemouth and Everton in the league. How how are you managed to struggle against Everton? <laughs> and uh, maybe I shouldn't say that because we did. But yeah, and then we've seen the Tottenham, Tottenham team that uh, demolished uh, Ajax in the second half of the of the leg in Amsterdam. So I I'm I can I'm not sure ab- about the matchup versus Tottenham. I'm just very very sure that we have the quality that we need to win. So I'm quietly confident and uh, yeah I. I I think we should win it. I think so too. Um, but you know, there there are different there are different ways of approaching these these matches. And yeah, there, you're right. There are two different types of Tottenham. And um, yeah, but you know, we'll cover all of that on Cop On as we get nearer to the time. I'm actually thinking about you know I've got a few ideas about you know what we're going to do with Cop On in Madrid because I'm going to get the bus there. Um, I've got a friend who's very kindly let me let me stay on a sofa for the for the night of the final. So that's so cool. But uh, you know, we'll stay tuned to cop on. We'll be we'll talk more about the final. But for now, I want to talk about yesterday and in the match itself. Shane, there was that one ecstatic minute after Glenn Murray scored. Um, tell me about that. Were you following the the two games at the same time when when Brighton at that point were were one nil up and we were one nil up? Uh, it was it was kind of hard not to follow the Brighton Manchester City match uh, here in America uh, for the American broadcast with NBC. They actually had this picture in picture thing going to where no matter which game you which match you had on, uh, if either Liverpool or Wolves, or Brighton, or City scored, they would pop up a little bubble and show you the score. And this, they did that across all of the matches. So, yeah, so as much as I wanted to focus, because uh, I kind of set out with the intention of wanting to only focus on Liverpool uh, and wanting to see how we handled our business and wanting to, uh, wanting to stay focused as a fan on uh, celebrating our team for this wonderful accomplishment of 97 points, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of hard not to, especially when uh, you could see uh, everyone at Anfield start to go crazy. They were going up and down, and then uh, I believe I uh, Patricio, uh, the goalkeeper for Wolves, had the ball. He had just caught a cross in, and then everyone starts going crazy, and he kind of shot a look uh, to to the crowd, and then everyone is just going mad. And then from there, it felt like the game actually kind of got jostled up a bit. Uh, and that things actually took on a frenetic, uh, frantic feel for a few unsettling minutes. And so, yeah, it was crazy that it felt like we were on the precipice of something, but it also felt like we were out of control at the throttle. Yeah, you're right. At that point, the match did go a bit haywire. Uh, but then we managed to, you know, sort of pull it back together, didn't we, Linus? And, uh, you know, push on. Uh, we got the second goal, Sadio Mane. Of course, had two to share the golden boot. Um, you know, 
Sadio Mane, talk to me about him, Linus. I mean, he's had a he's had an amazing season, hasn't he? I mean, he's such a I mean, he's he's a hero, isn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I I'd say the whole team are heroes. Every single one of them, except the ones that didn't play. But yeah, I think Mane's just this. There's something about him which it's it's really weird. He feels like the playmaker, very good at dribbling the very good vision but then he's only got one assist you can't really call him that and he's got a lot of goals so he i'm not really sure how how to sum up uh money he's just very very good at in tight spaces we during the barcelona game we had uh, one of the swedish commentators very accurate representation of money like he can just take the ball down and get it past players in the smallest pocket of space you could you could ever find, and it almost always looks quite spectacular the way he does it. Not not like he's planned it, but more more of an accident. But because he does it all the time, it just can't be an accident. So I'm not really sure how to explain money ex- except uh, spectacular and like the rest of the team heroes. Well, you're absolutely right. Yes, his the way that he he ghosts past people in the tiniest of spaces. Yeah, that's a very very good point. I mean, yes. So it was 22 goals in the end, the same as Mo Salah, and uh, I had a look on the Premier League player comparison um, stats that you can get uh, on the Premier League app. So they had 22 goals each. Um, uh, minutes per goal. Um, Sadio actually edged it over Mohamed Salah with 140 minutes per goal, um, Mo Salah 148, uh, but the shots was quite interesting, Mo Salah had 137 shots for his 22 goals, whereas Sadio Mane only had 87, which makes me think that, you know, he could really play the number nine role, you know, we've seen it a couple of times this year, but he's just, he's just more clinical. Uh, you know, in general, um, his uh, so his shooting success is twenty five point two nine percent, which is extraordinary, compared to Mo Salah's sixteen point oh six percent. And of course, another thing worth noting is that Sadio doesn't take penalties, whereas Mo Salah um, scored three Premier League penalties in what is now, I suppose, referred to as last Premier League season, but. You know, uh, what what wonderful players and uh, Mo Salah as well, Shane. Mo Salah, I mean, he like I said before, he called yesterday bittersweet, uh, but he put a tweet out saying asking uh, the fans to bring Anfield to Madrid. So we have to do that by a royal decree from the Egyptian king. Um, you know, uh, Mohamed Salah, I mean, he's been sensational, he's been amazing, he's been a credit to himself, his family, uh, his his nation, um, a, cre- a credit to everybody, you know, he's, he's just a wonderful, wonderful human, and we're delighted he's ours, and he's pretty goddamn good at football as well, isn't he, Shane? Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, he is. He is exceptional. Uh, I mean, he made you know Time Magazine 100 most influential people. John Oliver wrote this wonderful piece, and he summed it up. Uh, he was able to surmise it in a wonderful way, saying, "As impossible as it is to believe, and I'm and I'm loosely. It, this isn't verbatim. As as impossible as it is to believe, Muhammad Salah is actually a better person, a better human being than he is." 
a footballer than he is at football. And, and that's, and he's pretty damn great at football. So yeah, without, without a doubt, uh, I noted in, uh, in my match report that uh, how electric he started the game. I mean, right off the gate, he was, uh, he was disrupting everything. Henderson had this outside foot, lovely slicing cross that just got right to Mosala, and he he was putting the move on two defenders in between them. He slipped right past them, and we thought we were going to get a goal within the first minute. Uh, and he didn't turn it off for the whole game. Um, yeah, Mane did get the goals, but uh, Mo received a lot of the focus uh, from the defensive pressure from Wolves. And so, yeah, I. Mohamed Salah is invaluable. He's absolutely invaluable. And I can understand why statistically he takes more shots offensively. We tend to run a lot of things through that right-hand side, through Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then with Jordan Henderson now in that number eight role, uh, connecting passes. Um, I noticed actually uh, the predominant, uh, our offense uh, was predominantly on the right wing. And it wasn't until maybe in the, uh, the 60 minute range that we really started pressing that left side more and more and more. There are so few words to describe how invaluable he is. There's one, uh, I remember there's one <laughs> friend of mine who compared him in his significance, and this will mean a lot more, I think, to American uh, listeners, uh, that he compared him to Wayne Gretzky, uh, a great hockey NHL great. And he said that the way that he moves and the way that he runs that offense is just, is just mesmerizing. I love it. Yeah, he does sort of glide like he's he's ice skating across the pitch. He's a joy to watch. Linus, yeah, Mo Salah had a great season. And what about Allison? I mean, you know, I saw our goalkeeper. He's been brilliant all season. He was great. Um, he was absolutely marvellous uh, in, in denying Wolves a couple of times with, you know, one-on-one situations. He, he had a superb game, dominating the box. And uh, he's got the second most clean sheets by a goalkeeper in a single Premier League season. Uh, 24 is the record Petr Cech, 2004-2005, with the, the great Chelsea team, uh, with, uh, you know, John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho in defence. Uh, but, uh, you know, Alisson's on 21 on his debut season. Edwin van der Sar also had 21 with the great Man United team, 2008-2009. But Alison Becker, um, I mean, can he get better next season? Can he beat his 21 clean sheets, do you think? Well, yeah, I just want to start off with the record thing with Peter Sheck obviously have 24, and I'm by no, by no means saying Alisson's better, I don't think so. I think Peter Sheck is undoubtedly a better goalkeeper, but considering that this is Alisson's first season and Peter Sheck was playing with a Mourinho-Chelsea side, which was basically only set up to defend and defend a little bit more. And if you take that in consideration, it's even it's even more impressive uh, looking at uh, Alisson this season. And yeah, uh, being a goalkeeper myself, I might be a li- little bit biased towards Alisson, but he he's honestly been after Van Dijk, maybe Salah, our best player this season. I just I I can't not love the man. I think maybe we 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 haven't had many good good goalkeepers at at Anfield in a while. I, we had Pepperina, but then it's been Mignolet, it's been Carriers, and now we have one of the absolute best goalkeepers in the world in Alisson. His distribution is top notch even though he does misplace a few passes but the the positive uh, does complete and 
used the simple ones as well, and he used to start to play really quickly. And his his shot stopping has been it. His shot stopping is the reason we're still in the Champions League. Ha, had we still had Mignolet or Carriers in goal, we would we would be playing Europa League and maybe even be out of that by now because we would have lost. We would have drawn to Napoli, and the way Alice has been playing this season, I I really didn't think we would ever see that but between the Liverpool sticks again. I'm just grateful to Klopp and the whole Liverpool uh, transfer team that they decided to spend all that money on uh, Alisson because it's, it's just paid off, hasn't it? Yeah, very good answer. Although I had to pick you up on something about that. You said Petr Cech, clearly a better, you know, undoubtedly a better goalkeeper than Alisson. Yeah, it, that, it might, might sound a bit weird considering I'm a Liverpool fan and he played for Chelsea. But yeah, I, 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 I think so. I I idolise goalkeepers. I obviously idolised goalkeepers growing up and Perisic after Manuel Neuer was probably my favourite player growing up. And I don't know, there there was something about Czech's goalkeeping when he was at Chelsea that, that I adored. So I maybe I went a bit overboard, but as of now I, I still I don't think uh, Alisson is quite at that level yet. But he's been really impressive this season. Well fair enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, the next brilliant player that I want to talk about is the guy who's at, who was voted the Premier League Player of the Season, Big Verge. Now, a friend of mine who's a Man United fan, um, who I haven't trolled because I don't have the heart... I don't have the heart to take the piss too much because it's just too easy. They're sixth... They've got Mulder's manager, you know, a Cardiff City reject. They lost to Cardiff City at Old Trafford. Their fans have started wearing Aguero shirts. I don't know if you saw that tweet of, uh, you know, that photo of that Man United fan with uh, seven Aguero on the back or something because he wanted City to beat Liverpool that much. He spent, you know, 80 or 90 pounds on a replica shirt with a Man City player on the back. Their their team is crumbling and it's beautiful to watch, but I'm not going to mention it to my Man United supporting friend. But anyway, with all this talk of Virgil being the best defender since the Big Bang, uh, my friend sent me, a uh, again, a player comparison between Vidic 0809 and uh, and Virgil van Dijk, and it's absolutely true. Uh, it might be a, a surprise to some Liverpool fans, but Vidic is on top in terms of tackles, in terms of pretty much everything to do with defending, you know. Um, you know, Vidic won all of the defensive stats, but my argument is that with Virgil, attackers just seem to give up. He's that good. They get close. <clears throat> they get close to Virgil, and they just pass the ball because they're scared. Uh, they don't really try to dribble past him like they did earlier in the season, because famously, of course, Virgil. Nobody, nobody has dribbled past him in the Champions League or the Premier League or the FA Cup or the League Cup this season. No one's dribbled past him. So he's just like a wall. He doesn't even need to defend because everyone just tries to avoid him. Shane, big verge. I mean, what a player. 
What a player indeed. There are so many words to, to describe him as well. I mean, our team has been completely transformed in the past 18 months. And one of those components, uh, the three components I can directly pick out in my mind are Muhammad Salah, Allison Becker, and Virgil van Dijk. And Virgil van Dijk, I mean, we saw it in, uh, midway through this Premier League season, probably around November, uh, I think 15 matches in, everyone was going crazy about our defensive statistics. Now they seem like just so assumed that this is just such an automatic assumption about our defensive quality. But yeah, we had a record-breaking defensive year. It's absolutely incredible, and most of that is due to the influence of Virgil van Dijk with his quality in defending aerial threats, with the fact that no one can dribble past him, uh, his ball-winning ability, and the fact that he's able to bark order. I mean, uh, for the Wolves game on Sunday, from the very get-go, the way that he's able to command from the back, even though he's not wearing the captain's armband, From the back, he's able to direct play. He can point to Joel Matip and tell him where to go. And Joel Matip will definitely turn, switch his hips, go upfield in that exact direction and lay the ball off to whoever he needs to lay it off to. Uh, Because this is the man who is running in the defense. He is is at the helm. Um, Oh, my goodness. There are just so many wonderful things. Uh, You were saying, yeah, that people lay the ball off because they're just so afraid to try to even get it past him. I can think of one example in particular most recently from the Wolves game on Sunday. It was midway uh, through or towards the later half of the second half. A ball comes in, a cross comes in, and uh, Raul Jimenez is right up next to the the Mexican international. He's right up next to Virgil van Dijk, uh, just above the 18-yard box. Virgil gets his head to it first, just pops it up, and it actually falls to Raul's feet, and he takes the ball but Virgil doesn't let him get by him. And at any point you think the striker is just going to go right past him. Virgil stays right with him, shepherds him, directs him, gets goal side of him. And then Raul just lays the ball off, even though there would (laughs) theoretically, if he would have turned on the afterburners, there would have been nobody in between him and the goal. It's just the influence that Virgil van Dijk can have defensively. Also his stature and physical nature also play a big, uh, big part of that. I mean, if we're looking at the size discrepancy uh, within the sport of football, it is pretty crazy to look at like a forward who's agile and nimble like Mohamed Salah in his stature versus someone who as big as Virgil van Dijk. I mean, he is a man mountain that comes into play, and it's something that we needed, uh, something that we very much needed. So, yeah. Marvellous answer. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about Virgil forever, can't we? Um, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, another record-breaker yesterday, Linus. I, I want to talk to you about him. Trent, um, I, I love the Anfield rap, and I've been listening to them and their, their reaction from yesterday. They compared uh, Trent um, to Beckham. So I had a look. Uh, and you can see the similarities. You can understand why. I mean, the way that he strikes the ball with his right foot, the the control he has, the way he puts his passes really to pinpoint perfection. But, I, you know, I had a little look and it confirmed my suspicion that uh, Trent is, uh, you know, is way better than David Beckham was where David Beckham was young. I mean, I had a look... Um, when uh, David Beckham was 20 years old, 20 and 21, which is the equivalent of uh, next season for Trent, who will be 21 next season, um, uh, Beckham played 33 games in the Premier League. He got seven goals and one assist. 
Trent has just played a season as a 19, 20-year-old where he's got 12 assists and he's broken the record. And I think he's going to grow up to be better than Cafu. I think he will be the best right-back. You know, he will be in people's all-time 11 if he stays there because, I mean, we could use his mercurial talents in, in, in other positions, of course. But uh, Trent, what a season he's had, Linus. And, uh, you know, I mean, can you compare him to anyone else? Is he is he going to be that good? Am I getting too excited? No, I, I don't think you're getting too excited. I think by the way we're look, he's looking now, he's definitely have the potential to be up there. And if, if he was French, he'd be compared to Pele. Or <laughs> isn't that how it works? I like it. <laughs> no, but uh, sorry. But I think... Just the confidence he has when he goes forward down that right-hand side is it's just unparalleled. We, we saw it against Barcelona with that corner. He would never, ever think to do that unless he was sky-high on confidence. If, if he just keeps putting in the work and don't assume that now he's, now he's finally there, now he doesn't have to put in as much work. If he just continues and work and work and continues on this level, I don't see a see why he would uh, not be able to be considered one of the best of all time. Though one thing I want to say is that the fullbacks of olden times were very different from the ones right now. If you look at the fullbacks like uh, when uh, Sanetti played uh, on the right-hand side or when Maldini used to play left-back, they were very much defensive units, while right now the only the only thing I think Trent really needs to work on is his defensive what defensive side. He's amazing going forward. Like you say, he took the assist record for a defender from Leighton Baines. That's quite nice. But yeah, defensively you could see Klopp as well preferring Gomez there. But I think after Barcelona, I think he's he's probably going to stick with Trent. You at least hope so. And just seeing his confidence and the fact that he's a local, obviously that doesn't mean as much to me as it does to those from Liverpool, but I, it's still so uh, amazing to see someone that's actually from Liverpool. He, he knows how it, how, what it means to be a Liverpool fan more than most people, and he's, he's just living his dream, and it's, it's just so fun to see. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, I, I saw um, somebody posted uh, again on Twitter... Uh, or was it Reddit? Not sure where I got this from, but it's a table of our, you know, looking at the Premier League season as a whole, zooming out to, you know, all of our matches this season. There's a table of um, our results at home and away. Shane, it it looks like a league-winning team. It, it's 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 really hard that we didn't win the league because it's. It's unbelievable. The only team we didn't beat was Manchester City. Had we beaten them, we could have won the league. But I'm not going to go into the ifs and the buts and the maybes. I'm going to say well done to them and their Petro dollars. Uh, you know, uh, congratulations. They, I mean, they really were phenomenal, Manchester City. But Liverpool beat every team uh, in the bottom 10, that, that would be Watford, Crystal Palace, Newcastle United, Bournemouth, Burnley, Southampton, Brighton, Cardiff City, Fulham and Huddersfield. Beat them all home and away. 
Um, Watford, who were 11th, we beat them 5-0 at home, 3-0 away. That's how much better we are than the bottom 10. Uh, when you go above that, uh, we beat Tottenham home and away. We beat Wolverhampton home and away, of course. Uh, um, you know, and, and then there were, there were some draws. We only drew with Leicester at home. Otherwise, we beat uh, everybody apart from Manchester City at home. Um, and then away from home, this is... This is where our season was, you know, you can't criticise. This team is beyond criticism. But, you know, we drew away to West Ham, Everton, Man United, Arsenal and Chelsea. And then we lost away to Manchester City, even though Vincent Company should have had a red card. But again, I'm not going to get into the ifs and buts. Um, you know... How can we beat them? This is the thing I've been thinking about since yesterday, Shane. How can we beat them next season? And I've got a few ideas, um, but what are your ideas, Shane? How can we beat them next year? Um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be definitely difficult. I imagine Manchester City will have a squad of the, the depth. I imagine the team will mostly stay together, despite whatever rumors are circulating about them being banned from the Champions League. Um, I, uh, in the mid of the financial fair play, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, congratulations to them. I'm looking at the, the same, uh, home and away record for us. And you're right. It looks like the majority of it. I mean, it, almost all wins, a couple of draws and just that one loss. It looks like this should be a championship winning side. And despite of that, we are not because city just did that much better, one point better. So Congratulations to them. Uh, I, we don't need to be sore losers about it. And I think there is a danger always to, uh, to lessening our uh, accomplishment, lessening our milestones for the, uh, the, the journey that we made this campaign, the journey that we made this season and the progress that was made. And so I don't think, I don't think their one point should take away a single inch of that progress that we made this season. Uh, to beat them next season, I believe it's just going to require that much more composure. I believe we have the experience now. I can see uh, how we will do in the Champions League final. I think that will set a precedent uh, for the Premier League season coming up, honestly. If we're able to put all of those last year losses to bed and win and lift the trophy and have a piece of silverware under Klopp, I think we'll get that anxiety and sort of that mental friction out of the way and I think we'll play probably even better as a team as hard as that is to believe and then who knows the the <laughs> the race to the finish might be not who reaches you know 99 or 100 but which team is you know scoring more than 100 points uh league points so yeah it could be even crazier next year if we're in full form and we avoid that lull that happens in that January February window so I believe if we bolster uh, in our uh, formation, if we bolster with maybe one or two uh, players, and maybe particularly on the left side, I could see like a Memphis Depay uh, coming in uh, to compete with Sadio for that left wing, and then maybe somebody to compete with Andrew Robinson um, on the left wing as well, just so uh, we could have more options. I believe we could push it even past 100 points with, uh, against City, and then at that point, you know, may the best team win. Yes, yeah, so that's really very interesting what you're saying there, Shane. Yeah, um, strengthening, yeah. 
to, to compete with them. That's one way we can do it. Strengthening down the left, I personally would not go for Memphis Depay because he used to play for Manchester United. And I think, you know, even if you... I just I just think it's bad juju. Uh, you know, even if he hated his time at Man United, which apparently he did, and, uh, you know, he wasn't appreciated there or loved, I still wouldn't have him back, even though he might be Dutch and he might be Jorginho Wijnaldum's best friend, which looks like on Instagram. I just wouldn't have him because he played for that team man united so you know i don't know there's just something about it i i i i don't like but yeah i can see i mean he's a great player um where do you stand on it linus i mean is that one way is there any other way apart from strengthening because uh, i have like i said i've got some ideas i want to talk about them after but to me what what are your ideas, Linus? How can we catch this 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 monster of a Manchester City team, this superb Manchester City team? Yeah, strengthening is definitely the main thing right now. We need to look over our squad options. And one thing I wanted to ask both you and Shane Owen, uh, we have Grich coming back from Hertha, uh, the loan at Hertha Berlin. And I'm not sure if you have watched him anything at all, but I've, I've been watching him a bit and... I, I'm not an expert or a, or a scout, but I think the way he plays is it's it could be uh, maybe a replacement for Milner. Not that Milner's leaving, but we could have him as another Milner type player, and maybe he could fit fit in at left back because our midfield competition is so fierce, and maybe he would he would be willing to do that if if it meant he could play like uh, Trent sacrificed himself to the right back position and now he's on top of the world well it's a very interesting question but yeah I don't watch the Bundesliga I mean I know he's kind of loaned to Hertha Berlin and I've read some things about him like uh, you know their manager called him the best player ever or something but uh, I mean does he have you know my, my reservations would be number one does he have the pace to get up and down the line and the stamina as well is number two and uh, number three how good is his left foot because I think honestly Linus you 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 watch the Bundesliga way more than I do so I'm not I'm not sure about that but uh, yeah no it's an interesting question does he have a sorry does it does he have a left foot Linus I don't want to draw a conclusion but I I think he's obviously he most often uses his right foot so you don't I don't really notice his left foot and in in the midfield, he doesn't really have to use his left foot a lot for crossing. But I think we see with Milner as well, he doesn't really use his left foot while playing the left back role. But yeah, may, may, maybe not. I just wanted to ask that question because I really I, I like Rich when we signed him and I, I just kind of wanted to fit him in. And I think because he's really good at the defensive work and he's quite good going forward as well. But yeah, maybe maybe, maybe not. But I think that that could be something worth checking out for the team, maybe in preseason. But yeah, moving on to the how we can beat City and uh, next season and catch them. I think obviously what Shane said, we need to improve and just keep going. And but looking more at the football side of things, I think the you could argue all day long and all year long what where we actually lost the title. You could argue it was in January. Uh, where we failed to be both Leicester and West Ham. Uh, but for me, I think the game where we really... This, this is quite an odd one, and we, I, can't, I can't say we lost the title there, but I think the game we really should have done more, except obviously the Leicester and West Ham game, was City at Anfield. 
we saw last season that we have all qualities we need to beat them there. And uh, I think really we played very pragmatic. We played very deep just to not lose that game. And I think we should have trusted in ourselves more and just went for it. Obviously, I'm not top and he may know best, but I think that's the game we really need to win next season. And I think if we beat City at Anfield next season, we will win the league. Well, it could be as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, just beat City and then uh, continue to, you know, hammer the other teams as well, which is easier said than done. But no, no, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting answer. Just, uh, yeah, do better in the head-to-head against City. Um very true. Uh, the couple of ideas that I was I was noting. Number one is that you know both Liverpool and Manchester City have only lost six games in two seasons. We've lost six games each in two seasons, which is nuts. But the big difference is that in that time they have won sixty four. They won thirty two this season. They won thirty two last season. And we've only won 51. This is the biggest difference. They score more goals and they win more matches. We we draw too many of them. Um, so, yes, as uh, Shane was saying before, yeah, if we improve our attacking options, maybe on the left, I've been banging the Nicola Pepe drum all year, but I'm sure there are other, you know, uh, notable options out there. If we can, you know, just, uh, you know, be a bit more, you know, gung-ho when we're drawing and... You know, maybe that's one way to do it. But the second one I wanted to talk about is 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 our average age. Now, according to who scored, it's quite interesting because um, I thought that City's average age would be way higher than ours. But in fact, their average age is twenty seven point one, and our average age is twenty six point seven. But check this out because our age, you know, our average age is bumped up. By Mignolet, who's leaving, Lalana, who's always injured and possibly is leaving, don't know, uh, Daniel Sturridge, who's leaving, uh, and James Milner, who I hope will still be playing in 2053, because uh, he'll probably still be able to do it. Um, their average age is bumped up by David Silva, Fernandinho, Company, and Aguero. Now, these are four absolutely key players for Manchester City. And my thing is, maybe next season, I don't know how you feel about this, Linus, I'm going to stay with you on this. I think they're not going to go on forever and they're going to be so difficult to replace. David Silva, Fernandinho, Company and Aguero. Now, there's that young guy, I think he's 19 or 20, Bruno Fernandes, who apparently is brilliant that they're bringing in as a defensive midfielder. But these four players, David Silva being 33, Fernandinho 34, Company 33 and Aguero 30, how can they possibly replace them? And they're bound to slow down at some point, maybe next season. So maybe next season they will only, in inverted commas, get around 93, 94 points, Linus. Am I, am I clutching at straws? I think my, my reasoning's pretty sound, isn't it? Yeah, that's very possible. I just wanted to say, Bruno Fernandes, the guy we're talking about, he's 24 and he's, he plays mostly attacking midfield. So yeah, the, and I, they're definitely looking to bring him in. And I think, well, looking at the City squad, they have way more 
aging key players to their team. The players, I think, that definitely have it in them to continue, especially Aguero. I think he's one of, if not the absolute best strikers in the world. I really like him, except when he scores for Man City when we're trying to beat them to win the league. But yeah, I think just the way he plays, his age doesn't really seem to affect it because he's not that reliant on his pace. He's just really smart. And uh, except that David Silva, they already feel like they have a replacement for him with Foden. And even Aguero, they have... Jesus, who's been a bit hit and miss, but overall I think he'll be good for them. I'm sounding very pessimistic here, but I'm just giving my point of view. And then, uh, what more, the, the Fernandinho, I think that's the one player they really, really need to find a good replacement for, because I don't think Gindigan is a good long-term replacement, and it's probably the most important position in their, their team. You saw in December when they lost him for a couple of games. It was the Chelsea game and then it was Leicester and Crystal Palace. They lost all three games. And you can see when they're without him, they struggle way more. I think the way he's been injured this season, I think he could be injured even more next season. And if they fail to get a replacement for Fernandinho, that's when that's when they'll struggle. But it's Manchester City. They'll undoubtedly pay, pay 100 to 250 million for N'Golo Kante and then win the league again and probably buy Mbappe too. Who knows? They they don't seem to have any rules when, when it comes to transfers. But not not trying to sound too be there there, obviously. But yeah, I think they if they replace uh, Fernandinho then they'll be on their way to be the same city team. But I I think they will very much struggle to replace Fernandinho because there's not a lot of top tier DMs that you could get for any reasonable price in today's market. So that's really the important position for them. And I can't see them finding a very good replacement for it. That's good right now and not just a youngster that will be good in the future. Very good answer. Very good. Um, Shane, is this, you know, a chink in their armour there? The eight, that ageing quartet, and especially as, as Linus is saying, you know, Fernandinho, and I would say centre-back, they don't have company still first choice for me, you know, company and Laporte, who's been excellent for them. Um, you know, they're going to be so hard to replace, aren't they? And then also, as Linus said, their transfer, the, the way that, yes... They don't seem to be following any kind of rules or, you know, financial fair play. Um, yeah, I don't think it sounds bitter. I think it's just true. Um, you know, they, but they can't go on forever flouting the rules because they're under investigation from UEFA and FIFA and the FA and uh, someone else I can't even remember. Uh, probably the inland revenue. I've no idea. But, uh, you know, th- this is something that can give us all hope, Shane, can't it? This this ageing squad, they're going to be impossible to replace those those brilliant winners. Yes, I do have a lot of hope uh, for that. I think uh, one big thing that uh, really highlights the difference between these two giant clubs right now is it seems to me on the surface, from my understanding, uh, kind of the difference in guiding philosophies between Manchester City and Liverpool. For example, it seems as if, uh, yeah, I don't think they have any replacements. I think you're absolutely right. The, the age is a chink in their armor uh, for the long-term game. But I don't know if City went into this trying to be in the long-term game 
so to speak, with Pep. I think it seemed like a smash and grab for, you know, three to five years, try to grab as many trophies, rack up as much money as possible, and, you know, bend the rules as you need be to get as far as ahead as you can in the shortest amount of time. And that seems to be the way that they're trying to cut in line and go about things. And uh, Liverpool seem to be more about the long game, about building something. Uh, you know, it seems to be the longevity, seems to be the focus of Klopp's rebuild uh, with Kirkwood uh, from the academy, with scouting, uh, through coaching, all the way through with our loan program. And everyone wants to play for him. He is a leader through and through. So, yeah, I mean, the Pep's future is obviously going to be in doubt. I mean, there are so many things about City's future that are in doubt. And with Liverpool's future, there's anything but doubt. Everyone is certain about Liverpool's future and the trajectory that this club is on. I love that. I love that. And uh, speaking of futures, um, you know, um, as we bring this conversation to a close, um, speaking of future, should we keep the div, big div, divok? Um, Origi, he's become a cult hero. We absolutely love him. We love his attitude. We love the way he's been, you know, working his nuts off to get back into the team and given us some beautiful moments. Two goals in a Champions League semi-final. Uh, I mean, you know, I personally, if he's happy to, to, to have the same kind of role, squad player, you know, off coming off the bench sometimes, you know, um, you know, recovering for injuries, then I would, I'd, I'd, you know, offer him a new contract. But that's what the rumours are. We're going to offer him a new contract. Are you happy with that, Shane? Yes, absolutely. Um... I feel as if it's it's interesting how the fortunes played out for Divock. His future was in doubt just as much as Danny Ings, honestly, in terms of squad strikers. And I thought it was interesting that Danny Ings chose to go and not Divock. I would have switched him around. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if Danny Ings could have come up with the goods to have the same moments of glory that Divock has been afforded. Uh, but yeah, without a doubt, uh, I think Divock has definitely earned the trust of us as a fan base of, of Klopp. I mean, he earned it in, on the training grounds at Melwood, without a doubt. Klopp had faith in him when we weren't watching him play on TV at all. Uh, so yeah, without a doubt, I think he deserves another contract. And honestly, he probably might deserve more starting time. Uh, we might do a lot better with him. That's interesting. But he can't replace Bobby. Can he, Shane? No, no, without, no. I mean, maybe more as in a, a forward midfield role, someone that plays just in between that midfield line and the forward line, possibly, or, or something a little bit unorthodox like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm also just in a, a Divacarigi kind of mood. So, you know, it, however high he tells me to jump, you know, I will jump that high. So, you know, he could... He can have as much of a contract as he wants in my book at right now. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been, ah, oh, there was that interview, um, you know, after the Newcastle game where he's talking about coming off the bench and he was saying, you know, I just wanted to shine my light. Divock's got a light, Linus. Divock has a light. We should sign him up for another couple of years, shouldn't we? We 100% should, in my opinion. He's, He's just amazing, isn't he? That might be my heart speaking, but I think so. I, 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 I think he's just been very good whenever he's played. He gives his all, and he's at least if we doesn't keep him as a player, he needs to get a statue for this season. 
completely ruining Everton's season and then completely ruining Barcelona's season. You can't ask for much more. And I just I I've always liked Origi. I I I like the type of player he is. Uh, not not as good yet maybe, but almost the Bale type of player, the winger with a really big physical presence and still quite fast and very very good overall. And I think he's just. 24, I think, as well. So he can definitely just grow and become even better. And I think if if we just keep him, he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, I just I, I definitely think we should sign him up. I I think he's deserved a new contract, and I think majority of Liverpool fans will be very disappointed if he doesn't get it. Me included. Yeah, me included too. Great. Um, so just before we finish, do you have any, any other business, gentlemen? Anything else that you would like to, to bring to the, to the table in terms of things you've been looking at regarding the Reds? Yeah, well, there was one thing, maybe a bit small. I just wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the new kit, because I, I, I don't want to sound like that guy, but I really don't like it. I think it looks kind of, at least when it's on the place, it looks kind of like a corset with a, a orange Right, like uh, in the chest and stomach area, and then it's just nothing uh, above that, and it just for me it looks really weird. Are you are you talking about the the scarlet red beautiful kit with the wonderful gold pinstripes? Yes, that very one. Oh my goodness, are we like? Do we have the same eyes? I <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I think it only comes second to last year's home kit, which was a record-breaking home sale uh, in uh, in sales for Liverpool, by the way. But yeah, I think that I love it. That's so crazy. Oh, that's so interesting. I love the fact that you don't like it because that's so interesting to me. Because to me, I thought it was so undeniable with the scarlet red, with the details. Um, yeah, just the way it looks and fits. I think it. I think it kind of beats this season's home kit. I think it blows it out of the water. What do you think, Owen? Um, well, I, I've got to say, Linus, I'm sorry. I really like it as well. I, I, I prefer this season's kit. I think this season's kit, uh, you know, looks great when it's on, you know, and it's got that, you know, that cool button thing. I like that button thing. And I think it's a classy shade of red. It's a classy kit. But the first time, I mean, it reminds me of, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm older than you, Linus, and I remember when we won, you know, doubles and you know we dominated when we had the pinstripes and maybe that's what's been missing these 29 years of just pinstripes on the home kit and this whole conversation about how we can beat man city we just need pinstripes on our kit because i mean i think it's really cool i've got to say i mean there are lots of you know there are different ways you could you know maybe improve it and it is a little bit weird how the stripes stop but no i'm i'm with shane i think it's great um, you know, I prefer the goalkeeper kit, that black and gold one. I mean, you know, and I, but I think generally, New Balance. I mean, they've been, they've they've come out with some crackers over the last few years since they've been, um, you know, uh, since they've been our kit manufacturer. And for me, it's, they've they've you know much more interesting than uh, Adidas or or these other ones with just the three stripes and red. You know, that's what Adidas would do. It's red with three stripes. Well, it's Liverpool, isn't it? You know, I don't know. They've broken the mould a little bit, so I think they've been great. But, uh, you know, if Adidas want to give us, you know, 700 million for our next deal and we can, you know, we can expand Anfield even more, 
then uh, you know I'm all up for that as well. I don't really care what it looks like. But I saw that kit, Linus. I saw that kit. My first instinct, the first word that came to my mind was double. I think we're going to win the double next season. Uh, you know, I think uh, that in, in that kit, you'll see. You'll see. Uh, what about you, Shade? Any other business? Um, no, right now, uh, absolutely not. I mean, I'm just gearing up for the Champions League final. I'm excited about that. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having a fully fit squad. I'm interested to keep an eye on the transfer rumors. But at the moment, um, no, no personal business for me. No personal announcements at the moment. As soon as I do, though, trust me, I will be plugging myself away on here. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Just one thing I would like. Uh, if if we're sitting here in a year this, uh, celebrating winning the league, the 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 home kit this year it will definitely be my favorite home kit ever. Just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, thank you so much, guys. I mean, I already feel a lot better. As I said at the very top of the show, I think you know you can process our, you know our you know, brilliant 97-point season, but just coming up short. You can process it in different ways. I'd advise you not to think of it in terms of 29 years becoming 30. And I would advise you strongly, as we've done today, is to talk about the positives and to think about the positives, of which there are many, so many. And, uh, you know, this team is going to stay together. Klopp and the transfer team, they know how to improve. And, uh, you know, lest we forget, we're going to Madrid. So thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank, thank you, Leonis. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, same, same. It's been great. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, yeah it's good wonderful way. to oh, talk you. to you. Thank you, yeah. Rowan. So that brings us to the end of episode 35 of Cop On. Thank you so much, unbelievably much. You're brilliant for listening. Thank you. Thank you. If you can, take a moment to give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That would be great because then, you know, the algorithm algorithms work for us instead of against us. Uh, so if you can be asked. That would be lovely. Uh, but for now, I mean, until next time, you might have noticed that I'm a big fan of the poem. And I'm going to leave you with this one. We've been to PSG and Napoli, Belgrade and Germany. When we went to the Allianz, Liverpool scored three. Porto, Barcelona, who the fuck you trying to kid? Because we're the mighty Liverpool. And we're going to Madrid. We're going to Madrid.